0: What's up? I'm just glad I got through that because I've been losing my voice and I wasn't sure if my voice was going to crack through that. But we did it. My name is Taylor Schroll. Welcome to Forte Catholic Radio. We were recording live here from the Red Sea Radio Studios in College Station, Texas. I have like this like itch in my throat that has been here for weeks and weeks and weeks. I was editing a couple of interviews earlier today and all I heard the whole time was, Oh yes, that's a good answer. <clears throat> <clears throat> so I edited all that out and uh, and then I just did it again on live radio just just for your listening pleasure. But uh, the reason that I have that I'm exhausted and that my throat isn't doing too well is I might have broken my record for lack of sleep in a 72-hour span. So, let's walk back a little bit. Saturday was the Revive Youth Rally. Uh, hosted by Blaze Ministries in downtown Bryan. We had 6th uh, through 12th graders. We had uh, Gina Bauer come speak, and she's actually going to – we did an, a radio interview with, with her whenever she was in town. That's going to be our third segment of today. I spoke. Sam, our producer, was the MC, and Mr. Dave Moore, who's uh, graced uh, the airwaves of Red Sea Radio before, uh, he was our musician. Uh, just absolutely, absolutely great day. But, like, I was the uh, putting on the event. And anytime you you have a big event the next day, a lot of times people struggle with sleeping. So, I don't know, maybe about 25%, 33%, you know, like a fourth or a third of the time when I have a big event the next day, I have trouble sleeping. And so, the night before, one of the biggest nights that, that I have on my work calendar, I laid in bed at about 1 o'clock in the morning because I was finishing up my talk from about 11.30 until 1 at night, and... Laid there, stared at my ceiling, tossed and turned at around 4.30 in the morning. I was like, well, this sucks because I was still awake. <laughs> just rolled around and staring there. And then for from about 5.30 or so until about 6.30, I kind of in and out of sleep, in and out, in and out, in and out. So my watch told me that I got about 17 minutes of sleep the night before this huge youth rally. I was like, well, this is just just wonderful, just absolutely wonderful. And then so we do the whole youth rally, the whole day, have a lot of fun. We tear down after the event. We, uh, one of our traditions, we always go out for a couple of drinks. After uh, we finish an event, we you know take our guests out and hang out and just ha- have a lot of fun. So we're leaving downtown Brian. at, I think it was 1130 that I was driving away. And my best friend calls me and, and we've, we've talked you know on the phone or through text message or whatever, but we, I haven't seen him. And I think a year, over a year, something like that, a very long time. And he says, hey, what are you doing? And I explained, well, I just did this revive rally and we were hanging out, blah, 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 blah. He said, well, can I come over? And I was like, oh, you're, you're in town. Well, this is, this is good. Yeah, absolutely. Come on over. So he came over to my house uh, from 1130 to 1230, which is I got home around 1130, 1145. And he was like, I'll be there in 15 minutes. So I said, OK, I'll just like sit on my couch until he gets here. And I passed out on my couch for about, you know, 30 minutes or so. So now we're up to around an hour of sleep in the 48-hour span, right? He gets there and I, like, opens the door. I'm like, oh, what? Huh? <laughs> like what's, what's happening? And we hadn't seen each other forever, and we just talked and, talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. And I knew I had to get up really early. I think I had to wake up around 7 to go get Gina Bauer from the house that she was staying in, take her to eat breakfast, and then get her to the airport. My friend and I talked until about 6.30 in the morning. And I was like, well, I'm going to go take like an hour-long nap, okay? Uh, So he goes to the guest room. I go to my bed. And I sleep for, you know, a good 45 minutes to an hour or so. And this is Sunday morning, right? So Sunday morning, we go to breakfast with with Gina, a couple people from our staff. I'm going going to the airport. And I just know, like, oh, I have to go to a youth night tonight. I can't, like, just, like, sleep the whole the whole day and i have kids at home so i'm not going to be able to sleep at all like this is looking very grim <laughs> and then just just like an angel the old, the old tv show touched by an angel if y'all remember that it's kind of throwback yes. so every episode like an angel came and helped somebody like throughout the with their specific situation they didn't know they were an angel until the end of the the end of the show and then like the person disappeared i've known josh calhoun who's on the ablaze staff for a very long time i was very sleep deprived so i think he i'm not sure if he's a real person or if i just made him up because he was my touched by an angel on sunday morning he said after i kind of told him what i'm telling you now that i hadn't slept in you know know, two and a half three days or so He was like there's nobody at my house and there's no kids josh gets it he's he's one of like 38 siblings It's not 38, but it's pretty dang. It's closer to 38 than zero, okay? (laughs) So so he invites me over. He says, hey, why don't you come over and sleep at my house? And I cannot tell you if I've ever had a more glorious sleep than I did on Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. So in a 72-hour span, I got about five to six hours of sleep. And I was fine. Until I woke up Monday morning. I was like, Ugh. <laughs> I felt like a zombie. Everything annoyed me. And then I was booked on Monday night to go speak at Stephen F. Austin University. And I was fine. I had some energy. I was driving over there. I, I, I hit... A, about nine billion love bugs on the way over there you can't tell what color my van is from the front right now it's literally just love bugs um, those of you listening not in texas you have no idea what i'm talking about but they're just these pests that connect and um love each other let's say that and they just fly around connected to each other and then they die on people's uh, car grills so um I went over there last night, and I was speaking. Everything's fine. And then I go to lead worship, and I sing, like, the first three notes, and I go, oh, no. <laughs> this is not going to be good. I can only sing. If you know music at all, you know that people can sing a couple of octaves, right? I had about a three-note range. <laughs> it was like not good. So all I could do was sing Chris Tomlin because he just sings in those three-note ranges every now and then. I just didn't. So we, we made it through. And one girl like, came up and was like, oh, it was really good. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, well, you should hear me when I can actually sing. <laughs> it was one of those pity things. I think she was just like, you're really good, but you should find something else to do in the church. Kind of like we were talking last week with the bad music or whatever. I think that maybe that's it. Maybe that was God punishing me. I know that some people didn't like that segment where I was ranting and raving about the bad music. And then I was the bad music the next week because I hadn't slept in a long time. I just realized that connection. Thanks, Jesus or uh, Judy Como was praying against me. She was texting me all throughout that last segment. She's like, stop talking. I love you, Judy. Uh, so it's been a crazy couple of weeks we had those couple events. I also haven't even talked about on the show that I actually went on uh, two different shows as a guest. I was on the Catholic Man Show a couple of weeks ago. They've been, they've been on, on this show before. They are just so much fun. Every week that they do a – a manly beverage, so they drink on the air. Always just a lot of fun. They do a manly gear, something that every man needs in his wheelhouse, right? And th- then they do a manly topic. So I went on, I, and of course, the first thing I do was actually ask if I had permission to go on there, because I'm not known as the manliest person around. But they they let me stay after they called me Taylor Marshall. One of the guys thought that was my name. He's a like, doctor, speaker in the church. So he played off, like, it was obviously a mistake. He called me by the wrong name. played it off really well. He said, all I was trying to do was give you an honorary doctorate. You just laughed at me. <laughs> I was like, oh, good. Uh, so you can check that out on uh, the Catholic Man Show podcast. You can look that up. And I also got to go on the Jennifer Fulwiler Show on Sirius XM Radio for the second time. That's when you really know that people actually like you. A lot of times you have guests on or we have guests on. It's like, yeah, that guest was great or that guest was like so-so or whatever. And you know, like, when you go do an event – it's like you speak somewhere. If they never invite you back, you're like, well, I wonder if they actually liked me or not. So to be invited back on Jennifer's show was absolutely a blast. You can find that as bonus content on my podcast. Search Forte Catholic on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, um, In Ear. Headphones. I mean, whatever you listen to your podcasts on. If you have an implant in your in your forehead that helps you listen to podcasts, specifically, uh, you're dumb. Uh, but it's probably there, and you can find my podcast there as well. So, what I talked about last night when I went to SFA is I talked about two things because it was obviously the uh, anniversary of nine eleven, and so I talked about fear because that was such a, a moment in our in our country's history that that fear was absolutely prevalent. It was a big deal. Nobody knew what was going on. And, and then I, I talked about uh, freedom because just like we've been talking about the last couple of weeks with Hurricane Harvey, like when a tragedy happens, people come together. And we really saw America unite after 9-11. And it was just, it was this really weird thing where we were like going to war. But here at home, it was like this amazing time of peace, which is just absolutely counterintuitive. So what I wanted to do is, is just kind of Jump into that just a little bit. Uh, we have a couple people in studio here today. I'm joined by uh, Mackenzie, who's yawning. Uh, Sam, who is is our producer, she was our MC at Revive, and Kyle, who usually is just on on the on the on the Patreon. So if you haven't listened to the Patreon yet, you're missing out on absolute comedy gold.
1: It's good stuff from
0: from Kyle, who we call the pre-show Patreon princess.
1: And I can't tell you how much I absolutely did not choose that name i th- i think you did go on
0: patreon uh give us a couple dollars a month you can get some extra content behind the scenes stuff and some uh extra bonus interviews right now there's one with justin Fatika on so check that out but uh kyle you're usually our, our comedy man but obviously 9-11 is not something that we're that, that that's that's funny so no. um i know
1: that a, a couple of us remember 9-11 so where were you on 9-11 um, well, I was in fourth grade. I uh, I grew up in Friendswood, Texas, which is by uh, NASA Space Center, Johnson Space Center. Um, so my mom works there. And of course, like during an event like that, in the national security event, they evacuate prime terrorist targets. So oil refineries in Houston, like all that kind of stuff, they got evacuated. Um, we were in class whenever the teachers finally kind of told us what was happening in the morning. And my mom showed up to bring me lunch. But the teachers saw her and thought that she wanted to take me out of school because that's what a lot of parents were doing that day. Everybody was kind of freaked out. And so my mom did take me home, and uh, And I remember watching the news, and after a while my mom started making me clean the house, like just going out around vacuuming, dusting stuff, picking up all the like, trash or whatever. And I remember being really frustrated because I was like, first of all, I got out of school, like <laughs> right. I'm in fourth grade. Right. This is a free day off. I, I still didn't really comprehend what was going on, but I can remember watching the news like while I was vacuuming and seeing like the destruction that was happening and probably like it wasn't until many years later where i actually realized what my mother was doing in distracting me from watching what was happening and all this destruction and human like life that was ending and um and so that that wasn't that wasn't the image i was left with that day of watching hours on end of this tragedy on screen it was actually like doing something and because life continues on like we continue to live our lives and we we adapt we we move forward and things like that. So I am actually grateful that I on this random day off was forced to clean my my home but uh but it ended up being like actually really good for the rest of my life in that day.
0: Right. And it's it's so interesting because we were talking about it earlier and it was like wait, you were vacuuming? Like yeah. that doesn't make any sense. Like but even as I'm hearing it as an adult I'm hearing that it's like, that's, I mean, that sounds terrible because you're a kid that's getting out of school. But like you said, you don't realize it until later that that was actually your mom trying to keep fear away from you. She's trying to protect you. Sam, I know that you have a a story too about where where were you on 9-11? Yeah,
2: I was also at school, um, St. Joseph's up the street, actually. Um, I remember being in school and the lights went out. Um, So they took everyone out to the playground and I guess my, they called my parents or maybe my dad just came, I don't know. But my dad came and picked me up, and um, we went home, and then my mom was home as well at that point. Um, And I don't really – I knew something was going on, and I knew that it was a big deal, um, but I didn't really understand either what was going on. Uh, My parents didn't let me watch it on the news, so I only had to, like, watch their faces from, like, how they were responding to know that, like, this was, like, a huge deal. And I I remember seeing a lot of, like, sadness and fear – and knowing that, like, then I kind of had this sadness of fear, even though I didn't all the way understand the gravity of the situation, you know?
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. As I was, uh, I talked last night, and, and I think your story connects with it pretty well. And yours too, Kyle, is, is a song by a rapper named Kendrick Lamar, who uh, came out with a, a CD over the summer, a new album over the summer. And literally every single song was on the Billboard Top 100. And most of you listening probably don't know probably don't know who he is or or don't listen to him because you're holier than me because like he he is he's grew up grew up in the hood uh, all the all these sorts of things so he he cusses and talks about these kind of stuff but he is a Christian man and it's interesting he's trying to be, kind of be in the world not of the world you could make the argument he's kind of a little of the world but I think we all are so I just love his honesty and he tackles these these subjects a lot of his songs are called humble fear. Um, these these um, topics that we would talk about on the show, and he has this song called "Fear," and he, t- he the first verse is all about the fears of a child. So it's it's like fr- a parent talking to a child, like "I'll beat your butt." We'll just leave it at that. Um, like if your video games are broken, if your TV is too loud, if you ruin your shoes, if you're jumping on the couch. So like we as kids have these moments where our parents come in and yell at us because we're doing some of the things like this. And we're and we're our fear that like, we, we start to fear certain things, fear, fear, punishment, fear, our, our parents or whatever uh, in good or bad ways. Right. And then what's interesting is at the end of that, at the end of that verse, it gives a small glimpse into why the parents are so angry at the kids. Because they're stressed out because the social workers come and try to take the kids away. They're not able to pay their bills. Uh, their food stamps are about to get taken away or whatever, right? So it's this interesting thing that the, their fear, the parents' fear, is being cast out onto the kids. And then, therefore, the kids are also afraid as well. And I think, you know, Sam, you were talking about how, like, you'd notice— your parents fear, and like I'm not like blaming your parents. It's a, it was a scary day. Nobody knew what was going on. Fear of the unknown, fear of losing life, fear of like. And Kyle, like your parent, your mom had to be evacuated because like NASA could have been a target, right? Like for me, I was I was in I was in sixth grade, and I was freaking out because my aunt works right across the street from the White House, and the White House could have been a big target. I mean, if it blow, I mean it's literally right across the street. Um, so we all have these fears, but a lot of times we we can have them put on us by other people. And I, I, so I think in, in the opposite way, how we respond to fear, the two biggest virtues that we respond to fear with are courage and hope. We've talked about hope a lot, a lot on this show, so I'm not going to completely go into it, but this courage, what courage is, is that you must defy the thing that is terrifying. So we've seen examples of people putting fear on other people. How do we, so how can we be encouraged to, to have courage, encourage to have courage. Um, we look at people on 9-11, the firefighters sprinting into the building. While everybody else has run away, they had the courage to defy the thing that was terrifying. That building's going to come down, but I'm going to go save as many people as I can before it does. Um, and it takes this strong, it's, courage is a strong desire to live while taking the form of a readiness to die. So it's this, it's this amazing paradox. Um, so a, as we just kind of recalled 9-11, and we're going to pray for those who are the victims of it. I know families are still obviously hurting from that. Um, and we're going to continue the show. We'll be right back with our interview for the day. All right. We are back for our second segment of Forte Catholic Four today. As I mentioned earlier, Gina Bauer came into the studio last week. She was a speaker at Revive this year, and she uh, came and shared her time with us. So what I'm going to do now is just play that interview for you now. I hope you enjoy it, and we'll be right back after it's over. All right, so I'm here in the Red Sea Radio studios with Miss Gina Bauer. She just flew into town. We are preparing for the Revive Youth Rally Tomorrow. You're hearing this after the revive has happened. Woohoo. It was great, I'm sure. Um, But Gina has traveled all the way from way up north. Um, I don't know my northern states because I'm from Texas. It's Texas and everywhere else in America. So, Gina, why don't you introduce yourself? Who are you? Where are you from? And what do you do?
3: Well, hello, Taylor. It's nice to be here in Texas. I hope that my accent is not too strong here.
0: Only seven people just crashed in their cars hearing it because they weren't (laughs) used to it. What is this strange voice
3: happening? Okay, glad to be here. I'm from St. Paul, Minnesota, and actually live in South St. Paul, Minnesota with my family. And um, I have been in Catholic youth ministry for a long time. I won't say how many years on the air. (laughs) Um, I'm married for 28 years to my husband, Dwayne, and have four children.
0: So you and I know each other from the uh, John Bosco Conference at Stu You've, As you said, you've been in youth ministry a while. You're a master at it, and you're, you teach a lot of the sessions in the youth track that we take our staff at a place ministries to every year. We drive from Texas all the way to Ohio. You said you don't know much about Texas. I'll just say that's a really long drive with a lot of people <laughs> in a very big bus. And then last year— You and I got to do a conference together. So we've gotten to get to know each other Mm -hmm. a little bit. And the crazy thing is, is that this Revive conference has actually been scheduled for over a year with Mm -hmm. the theme Set a Fire. And then you and I got called to do a conference together in Iowa with the theme Rekindle, which is all about fire. So I was like, hey, Gina, you want to come do that conference we just did in in Iowa (laughs) together down in Texas? So I I think, you know, you asked what else we want to know about you. The thing that our staff always says about you is that you're one of the most motherly and loving people that we've ever met. A lot of people in, in ministry are like, you know, like portray this holiness and then they leave and they're kind of jerks. You are like one of the most loving people that I've ever met. I just had the privilege of praying with you in the Adoration Chapel downstairs. And I'm just like. You're such a good person. So you asked what I need to know. I think that's what the audience needs to know is that you are one of the most genuine Christian women I've ever met.
3: Well, thank you. I hope my family agrees with you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Your kids will will type, type into the podcast. This well, this the whole thing was a lie. No, I'm just kidding. I'm yeah. just kidding.
3: Well, I think I think love begins in the home and I think that the whole mission of setting our hearts on fire It's really the Lord who has to set our hearts on fire. On our own, we're pretty useless, I think. We're all, on the best day, we have a hard time loving ourselves, much less alone anybody else. So I think the whole attraction to youth ministry for me was that I myself really was hungry as a young person, the Lord and I filled that up with a lot of things that were not necessarily bad things I had friends and I was in volleyball and gymnastics and had a had a big family that we could you know do many things together um, but there was such an emptiness inside of me and I and I really was searching for a reason to live to be honest with you I think that's what led me into youth ministry was in the young young, early days of my childhood, my parents brought us to church and brought me to the Lord, but I was the one who had to really open my heart up to him and let him have it, let him really have it. And there's many things to keep our hearts away from him. And I think for me, the main thing was fear, and that was fear of being rejected.
0: It's interesting because you talk about like that you're in youth ministry because of the response that you had as a young person And I think a lot of times in faith, I mean, we can connect this to one of the talks that you're given this weekend is called Ignite, Igniting Your Faith. Mm -hmm. And the second talk is called Ablaze, like keeping that fire burning. And as you well know, a lot of youth ministers are 25 and younger, and then Mm -hmm. they get out of it, right? Like, you're not 25 anymore. No. But I think that's a great thing, because a lot of times with faith or even with ministry, Mm -hmm. people get the ignite stage, and they're all on fire for God, and they're all on fire for ministry. By the time these people turn 24, 25, 26, that spark is gone. So how, in your, in your years of ministry, how are you still in ministry? How are you still able to live the gospel and share the gospel after so many years, I'm sure, of, of struggle and hardship <laughs> in faith and in ministry? What do you think is the big thing that's kept that fire of, of faith burning and that fire for your ministry going?
3: Well, I think the main thing has been two things. The first has been a very close relationship with Jesus especially present in the Eucharist. My favorite Bible verse it comes from Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen, 18 where he says all power and authority has been given to me go and make disciples and then he says and behold I'm with you always to the end of the age and you know of course I thought he was saying that right to me <laughs> I am with you One of the um, most popular
0: verses in the Bible. You're like, nope, that one was just
3: for That was for Gina Bauer. (laughs) But I took his word on that, and I believed him. And so I think the best and the worst of being a disciple of Jesus is the best is being close to him and and allowing yourself to be loved by him. The worst is that it's so wonderful and terrible and awful all at the same time because we are following a God— who became man and died on a cross and was raised by the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit is within us. And so God knows more than we know what we can survive. (laughs) (laughs) And he has tested all of us in this. And he has tested me in this to the point of, of course, wanting to get out of ministry and and in my marriage even, you know, we're tested with our marriages and our children, and we're, love is tested. But I, I have often said there's only one reason that I've stayed in youth ministry this long, and that is because, one, he never released me from it. Mm-hmm. And two, I would only do it for him, only for him. But he, he's worth it, and his children are worth it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. You said you haven't been released from it yet. Mm-hmm. I I, th- I thought of two things when you said that, like a catch and release program. <laughs> like you're just that fish that have, has had that that hook in your mouth for however many years you've been in ministry. Or or prison <laughs> where you're, you haven't been released yet. I haven't.
3: He, every year I say, Lord, am I done yet? And he's like, keep on doing what you're doing. That's That's a line I get a lot. Keep on doing what you're doing. And what's kind of unusual for me as a youth minister is that I'm still in the field. So I work um, at the Church of St. Joseph and West St. Paul part-time, and then I go out and do retreats and speaking. I go out maybe twice, three times a month to keep it balanced with my family, and it's, it seems to work pretty good.
0: I, uh, you know, I've looked looked to you and a, a select few other people as I've been expanding, trying to go speak and, and lead worship in the in a time with family and those kind of things. Because I know that me naturally, we talked a little bit about this a little bit before we went on the air. I naturally want to do all of it. I want to right. do everything, and I think I can, and then I I, I can't. So. Uh, finding that balance I think is a it's really important important.
3: and it's important for a youth ministry but it's important for all of us in our vocations whether we're single or consecrated um, married whatever our whatever our vocation is it's important to be you know to be really really balanced and it's it's a fight to be balanced but for me Every time I would pray, should I get out of the field of youth ministry? I would always hear back both. I want you in both, and I think it works well because things are changing so fast in the culture with youth, with the youth, and with families. And so, in 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 order to to be probably for me authentic, to be living and breathing with kids and their families in ministry, and then being able to go out and train youth ministers or or speak to youth or women, I do a lot of women conferences too, if you can really identify with what people are living and then invite God into that, they'll open their hearts up to him. We have way too many people who think that they have to be perfect or be good enough before they can accept Christ and his message. It seems daunting to try to follow those commandments because they're so crushed and broken. And so I think what we want to do is invite the Holy Spirit into our families, into our lives, into the reality of, of what real Catholic or family life is. You know, so last night we're at home and this is, you know, what's happening. I have an older son who's flying to LA. I have my husband and my other son going on a men's camping trip. I have a 16-year-old daughter who got her license and a catering job in Minneapolis. So she's driving across town tomorrow night in a car that the other boy said there's making a weird noise. And a 12-year-old who's wondering, what's for dinner? You know? <laughs> and I've tried to pack the coat out here. And, you know, it, it got a little crazy, but I just, I just remember the whole time that there, all this is happening in our home that, you know what? I am going to stay calm, and I'm not going to lose my temper. I'm not going to get anxious. I'm anxious, but I'm not. I'm going to just keep doing the dishes and helping out. And I know this is going to get solved. If I can just stay calm, then God will order it all. That was probably my biggest fight for the week, just staying calm while this is all happening, packing and everyone's flying around. And I'm like, why couldn't they have done this some other weekend? You know, (laughs) why does everyone doing it the same weekend? So
0: I, I, I laugh because...
3: That's family life,
0: though. You ended with your 12-year-old, and what I pictured was this weekend of the Bauer family being like Home Alone 6. We forgot Kevin! <laughs> like, we forgot your 12-year-old. It's like everybody no. else is gone, the, the 16-year-old drove away, and the 12-year-old's just sitting there, and like two weirdos are going to come up to the house, and then your 12-year-old's going to fight them off with all these, all these crazy no, things. No,
3: I actually have a girlfriend who came to stay with the girls this weekend while I was away. But it's uh, it's just real life, like, you know, and I especially think a lot of times people who have big families and raising kids and working mm-hmm. just need to be affirmed that the Lord is, you know, the one who is leading all of our children and leading us. And in order to be able to fulfill our mission that we all have, we have to trust him and entrust each other to him. And so we we can live together and laugh and love, and, you know, my house is not real clean right now. And that's that's kind of the way it is. You didn't have to say that on the radio. Sorry, everyone.
0: (laughs) I'll edit that part out. I'll edit that part out.
3: But, you know, the thing that's good about it is that in, you know, a lot of the good housekeeping magazines and a lot of that type of um, stuff, you see a perfect house and you see no kids or one perfect child on the counter with a perfect plate of cookies. You know what I mean? And that's not real life. You know, so I think Jesus wants to set a fire in our hearts. And then we spread that through love and through laughter and joy because we have faith and confidence that we're not alone. And so even though we go through trials and we have things hitting us all the time, like how Houston's been hit this week and now Florida is being hit. There's many, many trials for people all over the world and but many, many trials just in our own lives this year we had many trials. We had, I had an older sister who died, and I'm I sorry. had my mother was very sick and almost died, but she was able to make it, and several other big family things. And so this is real life, and, and God didn't come to take all that away, but he did come to set a fire in our hearts, and that fire is Jesus himself living in us, and then he's the one who gives us hope, and if we have hope, then we can have love and joy, peace.
0: And it's, and it's so interesting that you've listed off some of these you know struggles and hardships in your life because the last two weeks we've been talking about big struggles with the hurricane two weeks ago on the air. Right. Um, last week you talked about little struggles and the little things that yep. irk us and bother us. And as, as you said today, like life is crazy. Life was crazy for you today. We, you had some— almost mishaps with the plane and yeah that's a a whole nother story that we won't get into (laughs) but stress stressful day and like the first thing you want to do before eating before coming to do this radio show you're just like take me to the church like take me to the chapel and it's so beautiful because i've said on the air multiple times that i'm a good christian when things are going well and when things start getting stressful i want to take care of it and i don't have time to pray or whatever and like not only did did you want to pray? And that was your response to the stress and the struggle and all these things. Mm-hmm. But you brought me with you. <laughs> and it's <laughs> like, and you slowly, th- these are the things that you do because you're great at your job. You're great at being a person. <laughs> like You're always leading people. And I, I got to, in the middle of this day where, you know, one of the busiest days of my year, probably mm-hmm. preparing for this big conference that I'm leading tomorrow. Uh, you led me to prayer and reminded me oh, uh, again, what's the response when things aren't going well? It's, it's, it's going to God and finding peace there. I feel so much better now than I did before I picked you up at the airport and before we went to pray. So thank you.
3: Oh, you're so welcome. I don't know if it's being great, but it's really, I've learned over the years that just being able to rely on the Lord, and we can rely on Him at home too. We're not always able to go to Mass or get to an Adoration Chapel But to take that time just to stop and quiet our hearts and remember He's present within us and just to listen to Him. And a lot of times, you know, He doesn't say a lot. He's just kind of quiet. But to have that peace. And I think that was one of the promises He gave us. And I've even challenged Him on it. Like last night when everything was a little nutty and I was very tempted to like just, I just want everyone to stay home. Let me go for one weekend, you know. I almost started yelling, you know, and I was just like, I'm not gonna go then you all go and I'll stay here you know but then I just stopped myself and I I went up to my bedroom for a minute and I said Lord you promised us your peace you promised it and I just stopped for a moment and sure enough peace kind of flooded me and I just ignored all of them and I went down and got my stuff ready and got the kitchen cleaned out the fridge made sure there was some food in there and and just finished up my laundry and stuff you know and so I think that's what it is, is is relying on that grace and that strength so that we can keep going. Because the truth is, I think what we need to focus on doing to either restart the fire or to keep the fire burning is to focus on the little things that we can do and just, just do them really well. So like really taking time to just pray really hard for at least 15, 20 minutes in the morning, um, getting to mass when we can and 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 just, you know, like making our bed really well in the morning. I know that sounds funny, but, you know, if you make your bed really well, even if everything else is bad, you come home at night, <laughs> it's a beautiful bed, you know? W-
0: w- you and I could argue <laughs> to the death. I hate making the bed. Well, we're out of time for today. Gina, thank you, for, thank you for coming on. Well, I'm um, glad to be here. If people want to get connected with you or have you come speak at the parish, how can they find you?
3: They can find me at com.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Gina. I appreciate your time.
3: Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: We absolutely love Gina. She was so much fun to hang out with this weekend. Uh, We're going to be right back. We're going to keep it going with interviews. We're going to talk to Tom Crogwell about his book about traveling to Catholic places. Stay tuned. All right, we are back for our final segment of Forte Catholic for the day. We're going to be talking to my, uh, my new friend, a guy I, uh, I actually haven't met yet. He's going to be my new friend. Um, I'm very excited to be talking to him. His name is Tom Crogwell, and he wrote, he wrote this book that I, that I absolutely found very, very interesting. I'm looking forward to talking to Tom. He, uh, he's on the line now. Tom, uh, can you hear me over there, Tom. Yep, I'm here.
4: Perfect, in, it's great. In isolated, Bethel, Connecticut, but we're
0: here. Isolated Connecticut? Is that what you said? Yes. <laughs> I think is it Connecticut? No, Connecticut's very small. See, I live in a very large state. I think it was my my the, yes, the, I
4: know. It's it's kind of frightening, actually.
0: <laughs> the the county I grew up in, I th- I know it's bigger than Delaware, and I think it's bigger than. Than Connecticut as well. Good old Texas. Oh,
4: I, I, I would, I would lay serious money that is way the hell bigger than Delaware.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> I, 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 I think this this might be a first ever in Catholic radio show history. I, I'm gonna, we're, we're gonna take that bet. I think we're gonna do it. We're going we'll talk off the air and work out the money, but uh, we we're just doing some gambling. You on know, I, you
4: know, and, and 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 you know how Mexico ever forgave you for giving up Texas is you know. Well, that's a that's a topic for another day.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll talk about forgiveness on some other show. Today, we're going to talk about traveling, which is kind of ironic because I think you might have some some traveling pretty close to Mexico, but a little bit. Yeah, Tom, you you've been you you're a prolific author in the Catholic world. You've appeared on EWTN, CNN, on Fox, and even on the History Channel. Uh, why don't you just introduce yourself first to our audience, just in case they haven't uh, come in contact with you yet.
4: Okay, um, I'm self-employed as a writer. I've been doing this for 25 years. I actually started on um, March 25th, 1992, which is the Feast of the Annunciation, because I wanted a really kick-ass date to start a business.
0: <laughs> I like you <laughs> <And> already. <laughs> if, you can't,
4: if you can't, if you can't ask our Lady to do it for you, then you know where are you going to go? <laughs> so, but. Entirely accurate. I'm not making any of this up. If you want me to make things up later, talk to me. (laughs) Um, and I've written a whole bunch of books. Um, I only write nonfiction. Um, I'm a reasonably skilled liar, but I have absolutely no talent in writing short stories or novels.
0: <laughs> That's what I was so... about to say. Like you're an author whose job is typically to make things up, and then you said you were nonfiction, and then I was like, "Well, he already said he'd lied to us, so maybe, maybe you do lie a little bit. And
4: we'll see." Well, I would ha- let's say, let's say not. Let, how about hedge? <laughs> let's go with hedge.
0: You, you and I—I I said before you came on that you were my new friend, even though we hadn't met yet. I think it's already happened. I think we are friends already. <laughs> I, I,
4: I, have, I have a feeling this is going to work. Uh, uh, give me your address so I can send you Christmas cards.
0: Okay, <laughs> uh, will do. Um, I don't often give my uh, address out to strangers, but, you know, we're a family, well, so it's probably wise. <laughs> <but> <laughs> so you wrote this book called 101 uh, Places to Pray Before You Die. So, uh, I, first yeah. of all, I think it's an absolutely interesting concept, and we'll get into that in a second. Thank you. But first of all... What, like most of the time, when people are trying to get people to go somewhere, it doesn't come with the caveat before you die. So we, I know we're all we're all Catholic. <laughs> we have to think about dying and think about death. So, so why did you name the book bef- Hundred One Places to Pray Before You Die"?
4: Well, um, and, and you know, and I and I don't I don't I I, I didn't do it to be morbid, <laughs> but um, there there is another book out there. Um, from Workman Publishing called 101 Places to See Before You Die. And scene is nice, but we're Catholics, and so you know we ought to be someplace where we are actually inspired to say he Hail Mary. So I, I, I tinkered with the title a little bit.
0: That, that's perfect, because it's what I do for most segments on the show. I just take something that's popular already, change one word so I don't actually have to be very creative, and then we have a great Catholic segment. It's it's so much fun. It's so much fun. But there's a lot of creativity that you have in here. You you found 101 places. Oh, thank you. Um, to pray, and so like I know it it says when, on the on the um, publication for your book, um, it it uh, talks about the number one place that people go to visit in America to to pray. So the most oh. popular one. What is that?
4: Um, hands down. St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York, $5 million a year.
0: That's crazy. I was one of those one year.
4: Yeah, and um, I remember, um, your listeners may know, and you may know, John Barger, who started Sophia Institute Press. And a number, the first time I met him, he had come into New York, and I lived right outside the city. And I came down to have lunch with him. And he wandered over to St. Patrick's and he couldn't believe the throngs of people because he was from Manchester, New Hampshire, where of course they have a cathedral, but who the hell is there? <laughs> and and he just couldn't get over. I said, No, this is this is you know, this is a destination. And it's not just tourists. He said, I've noticed people are kneeling down and praying and lighting candles. Said, yeah, this is kind of a different place, but literally five million a year. That's
0: absolute. That's absolutely insane. I, I can't even picture that amount of people. Uh, so in in you your have
4: to, you, you 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 have to be there. I mean, it's it's bad enough on a weekday. On a, on a, on Saturday, it's unbelievable. And before Christmas time, just surrender it's not going
3: to happen
0: (laughs) i was there for thanksgiving week uh let's see in 2011 so the only thing that actually worked for us is that a lot of people were out of town out of the city for for thanksgiving because (laughs) uh, that
4: is actually an excellent weekend to be in new york that is true
0: that saturday we all went to mass together and it ended up working out very very well for us um so uh, you have this book and it's organized by state, which I think is absolutely fantastic because no matter where people pick this up in That's the me. States, like I don't have the money all the time to travel to go to New York city to go and and visit St. Patrick's or I don't have uh, a lot of times the money to, to take these long trips, but it's organized by right. state. And I know that you have some sites in Texas. Uh, so our listeners yeah. are primarily based in Texas. So why don't you share the ones that the, that, Maybe if we can't make all 101, let's make all the ones in Texas. Where are those sites? Why should we go there?
4: Okay, the one we've got to start with, because it is Texas, and Texans already consider this holy ground, but maybe not quite in the way that you and I, are. our perspective is, and that's the Alamo. Right. Um, The Alamo is, believe it or not, a Catholic mission, the Franciscans founded it in the seventeen thirty whatevers um and of course, by the time that Davy Crockett and Jim Bowie and everybody else showed up it was it was it was no longer a mission but but the iconic image of the Alamo is the mission chapel you know this is this is the part that um this is the part that I actually really enjoy about talking about this book is that um, all of us fully expect that if, you know, we're wandering around wherever, we're going to run into cathedrals and beautiful churches and lovely chapels. But, you know, we we forget about just how connected... Um, Catholicism is in, in, in the history of America. I mean the the thing that made me write this book was a few years ago. I was at the Gettysburg battle battlefield and wandering around and you know it's monument after monument after monument. I mean, you know, you, you could mistake it as a cemetery in some respects. Um, and all of a sudden I came face to face with this life-size bronze sculpture of a priest with a stole around his neck and his right hand raised. And it was Father Corby, who was the chaplain of the Irish Brigade, and as you probably expect, were overwhelmingly Catholic. And as they were going into battle at the the Battle of Gettysburg, he didn't have time to hear all of their confessions. And so he gave them general absolution, which was the very first time in the history of the United States, the general absolution was ever granted to any group
0: wow. in this country. Yeah, I have never knew that. That's that's fascinating. I mean,
4: you know, I looked at that and went, damn, pardon me, um, <laughs> darn. <laughs> shucks. <laughs> um, shucks. <laughs> As I, I, I said, I thought there's other stuff. <laughs> and so we were off to the races. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know it's it's you know we i mean we're we're- Catholicism is fairly well established in the United States, you know we are taking it on the chin from time to time. let's not deny that, but it's nowhere near what it was when we started, and so to see in Gettysburg where virtually all of our Yankee neighbors, couldn't stand the sight of us, there's a monument to a priest giving general absolution. Whoa.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> uh,
4: and, you know, and, and the fact that, you know, those 130-something defenders of the Alamo who didn't have a prayer that I was ever going to work, were trying to defend what well, is a Catholic mission. I mean you know these the, these types of things just make me sit up and say, Wow,
0: yeah, I loved the alamo i got i when I lived in San Antonio, I was there for university, so I was there for four years. I lived one mile from the Alamo. And I just got to, like, I could ride my bike there. I could drive there. And I went all the time. And it was just so cool just learning, like, I'm a huge history buff, learning the history of it. But then also that, like, it's crazy seeing now because there's pictures when you go there of what it, or you know, like, pictures of what it would have looked like. And it was just this, you know, this mission. And then there was nothing. And then there was the cathedral way down, the you know, another mission, way down the other side. And there was nothing out there, just this dirt. And now you look, and it's the Riverwalk, and it's all these tall buildings, and it's all centered between these two Catholic churches, which I, which I absolutely love. I have a question for you. Well,
4: you know, what, you know it's, it's, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned the Cathedral of San Fernando, because that's where, you know, when, when the Mexicans, when Santa Ana's army won, um, they took the bodies of the defenders, and they burned them. And after Santa Ana's army left, the people of San Antonio collected the remains and they buried them in the Cathedral of San Fernando. And in the 1930s, if my brain is still working...
0: Or you're not lying um, to us like you said you would earlier. Or I'm
4: not lying. <laughs> I, I prefer not to lie. I would rather just misremember. <laughs> um, uh, they they rediscovered the remains in the sanctuary of the cathedral, and they're now entombed in a, in a shrine in the vestibule of San Fernando. So, you know, let's face it, probably nobody at the Alamo. Well, no, there were some Mexicans. Um, hardly anybody at the Alamo was Catholic, but nonetheless, they're in the San Fernando Cathedral.
0: I've seen that. I mean, we, we went and celebrated the day after we got married, we went to Mass in that cathedral and we got to see that it's really cool we are, we're running we out go. of time so i want to i want to get to a couple of these other places in texas um okay. one of them is really close to where i was born in dickinson and i have no idea what what the site is in dickinson Do, can you can you share a little bit about that one with us
4: uh, is, is, is is that the san juan san, um shrine or are we talking the hill country
0: uh, san juan i think is a different one which we can talk about too because i've been to that one that's way down south yeah the the dickinson one uh, yeah if you don't remember you might, people just have the book i mean that's why you come on right go go check out um the book 101 places to pray before you die yeah, you can f- i
4: i you know in in, in the interest of, com- of complete disclosure it's it's Actually, more than 101, and sometimes the brain gets a little fuddled.
0: See, see, you <laughs> so, did lie you, to us. You said yeah. it was 101 on your book, and it's more. Yeah, I figured you wouldn't remember all of them. But, yeah, let's talk about the one in San Juan, because I've actually been there before. Um, and it's, like, I I haven't traveled, to done too many pilgrim- pilgrimages, but I, I have gone down there. Why don't you share with our listeners a little bit about San Juan? San,
4: San Juan is, that one, that was actually, I would say of all the sites that I was looking at, San Juan astonished me the most because it gets no press. Um, And yet it gets literally millions of pilgrims. I mean, we're talking on the scale of Guadalupe and Lourdes. Millions of pilgrims a year um, in honor of You know, an image of Our Lady that is, you know, the Mexican citizens of Texas are incredibly devoted to. And they have so many pilgrims coming up from Mexico and so many pilgrims coming from, uh, you know, Hispanic communities throughout the country that the parish actually has had to ask parishioners to limit the number of masses. So they ask to have said because that would mean that would it would deprive the pilgrims of masses that they want said. I mean, where the hell? Excuse me, where <laughs> the heck
0: does that happen? Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's like honestly. I have, you know, I have a lot of spiritual experiences like in my hometown because that's where I grew up. I've always called the San Juan Basilica my second home. Uh, if you haven't been there, uh people that are listening, go check it out. It's beautiful, uh, amazing. Miracles that have happened there. Uh, the entire church is just massive. And my favorite story about that place is that it was built not with great millions of dollars of donors, but it was built off the finances of uh, the, just the regular parishioners who live there who don't have the greatest financial means, but all together, they came in and built this church. We just have a couple seconds left, Tom. Why don't you share with us okay. where people can find the book, and we'll uh, check out for the evening.
4: Well, um, Franciscan Media is the publisher, so you can find it on Franciscan Media's website. Um, otherwise, I would go to Amazon because, who knows, you make it free shipping.
0: That's wonderful. Well, Tom, thank you so much for uh, for coming in for this interview. We absolutely appreciate it, and I, I can't read wait to read the rest of the book, uh, guys. We will be back next week. I can't wait. We got some exciting things happening. Uh, so stay tuned. Check out the podcast. Please leave us a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. Say.